Welcome to the Unrest Podcast. I'm Caitlin Stancil. And I'm Madeline Green. If you haven't subscribed to the Unrest Podcast, make sure you do so so you can stay up to date on all of our real life haunts. Caitlin, tell us a little bit about today's real life haunt. Well, we have one of our best friends joining us. I'm surprised we haven't had her on yet to tell this story because it is a really good one. But before we get into that, We recently had a girls weekend trip here in Charleston and all went on this, well, what they called a haunted carriage tour. What were your thoughts on it since you hadn't been on one before here in Charleston? I definitely was expecting to be shocked and scared the entire time based on y'all's love of hunting down these ghosts. So I definitely sat in the middle of the carriage. Um, (laughs) would grab me at any given moment. So yeah, it was super fun to go and uh, you know get that little nervous feeling in your tummy when you're walking through those little streets or riding through the streets and hearing about all the history slash what could possibly be a ghost. Well, that's not how I felt about it. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline, let's hear your review. <laughs> I was expecting a more ghost stories. And really what we heard were no stories. (laughs) I just wanted to hear more of the ghost stories that Charleston has to offer because I know that obviously it has so many, um, such great history and so many stories hidden within the town that I was really surprised and kind of let down that we didn't hear any of those. That's the thing with these like haunted tours. I feel like they can go really any direction. (laughs) and you don't really know what to expect when you pay your $50 or however much um, to go on it. And like you said, there, there weren't a lot of ghost stories that a could be like validated and like Googled. And we see like other tellings of this same story. And also we saw a lot of the places that, you know, we've heard about that we've talked about here on the podcast and they didn't mention any of the ghost that, (laughs) we were sort of expecting them to mention during the tour. I definitely got the feeling it was because it was simply at night is where they were calling it a ghost tour. Because yeah, I think that as a person that doesn't normally get around that type of stuff, like that alone scared me enough to to be cued in. But yeah, I mean, based on y'all's knowledge that you already know, I mean, I feel like we probably could have done this actual tour ourselves and told everybody what was <laughs> going on because I'm sure she was annoyed with our quick answers. So yeah, I would think it was probably as scary as y'all were looking, but you know, it was, it was still fun. Well, for this week's real life haunt does have an actual scary sort of experience uh, to those who might not be as attuned with ghosts or the paranormal. And this one originates from a college town here in the South. (laughs) Take it away. Sure. So, yeah. So I work at an apartment complex um, in a college town. And we unfortunately had a weird day in a late summer that a young man decided to basically cut his wrist and had a lot of personal things he did inside of one of our apartments and which led to 
unfortunately him losing his life by police because he would not stand down. So it was a very traumatic day to say the least. But after that, you know, we didn't really give much thought to him um, just because it was such a, a day full of lots of different moving parts. Um, he ran up and down the property. He, you know, I'll never forget the way he looked and never forget what he wore. Um, anytime I see someone wearing a yellow shirt, it gives me back vibes. Um, if I have anybody who storms up the stairs the way he did, it it will kind of make my heart race and want to lock the door. So I still every day kind of experience a little bit of that trauma. So we're very attuned to kind of where he was and, you know, the space that he lived in. So we were in the office and we had one of our student workers come run up into the office, very um, bothered and breathing heavy and uh, very upset. And she looks at me dead in my eye and says, oh my gosh, there, there's a guy at my apartment and he's covered in blood and, and I don't know what, what to do. And I just, you know, look at her real puzzled and I'm just like, what are you talking about? That's, that's crazy. Like what now? And so she tells me again, you know, he's standing at my door. He's got blood running everywhere. And I was like, okay, you know, like why this is, this is, it's 10 AM. Like how can this craziness be happening right now? And so she's on the phone, speakerphone with the police calling them because, you know, she's found a man with blood all over him. And so I look at two of my girls and I say, hey, y'all want to go and just ride around and see what's going on? And so they jump in their vehicle and they go on and um, she gets the police on the phone and we're kind of she's telling them their story. And I'm getting her to kind of take a deep breath and calm down. And, you know, it's going to be all right. I'm sure it's I don't know what you saw, but who knows? It's a college town. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, like she herself was all dirty and had on just like what kind of very outdoorsy clothes. And I was like, where the hell have you been? You know, like, and she's like, I've been looking at birds. I'm like, well, all of this is wild. (laughs) So, you know, it just it was an odd beginning. Well, then the two girls that had left, they call me and they say, oh shit. Yeah. Batten down the hatchet. He's on the way up to the clubhouse. He's just, uh, taken out the courtesy officer's car, the tires, he slashed all the tires. Yeah. And he's, he's headed to the office. Y'all need to lock down, lock lock all the doors. So I immediately hit the ground running and lock all the clubhouse doors and get everything secured. And about that time he wraps around to the front of the, to the building and it's a, you know, a see-through glass door. So I, of course, you know, just trying to a little bit more take control of the situation and understand, you know, he's not trying to harm us. You know, he's obviously have harmed himself. And so I kind of try to talk to him through the door and he's seeing white. He can't reason with anyone. And so he's yelling at me and I'm just kind of calmly talking to him through the door. And about that time, maintenance shows up. So that's like a new person to, to talk to. So he loses focus with me and goes on down the steps and talks to maintenance and he's he's kind of charging them. He wants them to beat him up and take him out basically. And so they're circling vehicles until finally um, the cops pull up. And as soon as he catches it, this the cops, he's going at them and he, they're back, they're walking backwards basically down the road. And he's just yelling, like, just shoot me, just shoot me, you know, just out of his mind. And they go down a pretty long driveway all the way down to a main major highway. And by this point, they've gotten the road all shut down and 
there's both sides of it. It's just all halted with fire trucks. And it was an, an interesting feeling because as we knew we no longer could see him, we hear him yelling still. And then we hear four rounds go off from a gun. And we all kind of sat there in silence. And, and then we hear five more rounds go off. And then at that moment, we all looked at each other and, and realized it was over, that there was no way anyone had not, that he had survived any of that. And at that time, I felt very just, you know, relaxed and like, whew, okay, like, you know, he, the bad guy's gone, you know, and I didn't think much more about it. And there was a lot of, obviously, investigators there, the local, the state, um, they were all there on you know immediately we didn't leave the property for quite some time because it just took a long time for investigating and come to find out he was a, a resident that was staying there on someone else's lease and um he had had a lot of personal problems apparently and fighting with his parents and he had apparently been out trying to do whatever he could to end his life and when the reason why it took so much rounds is our understanding is that his, he had a lot of drugs inside of him. And when they shot him the first time, he just popped right back up. There was nothing that was going to keep him down. So of course, you know, it's, it was hard to hear all of that and to understand the bigger picture of it. And, you know, it just made you kind of then feel a little bit more personable to him. So, you know, after that day, like I said, I, you know, I had nightmares and I had the things and I can see him, you know, to this day, but never really thought much more about it, more so in my own brain, my personal takeaway. And it was about two years after I'd kind of forgotten about him and um, hadn't really thought about him, you know, and we laugh here and there about it when it comes to the anniversary of that day, we'll cut up and, you know, what a wild, crazy day that was. Why the hell are we still working here? Kind of things. <laughs> and I don't think much about him though, other than that. Well, it was probably, it was probably the first week of April, if not the last week in March, but that, you know, I'll laugh about, about telling the story because it was literally like the scene in Miss Congeniality where she's like, it's not too cold. It's not too hot. It's a perfect day to wear a jacket because that's how it was. It was just a cool, easygoing, you know, um, day in the spring, but it wasn't windy. It wasn't at bad weather. It was just a steel day. And we were doing um, quarterly inspections and we were walking around, walking around and went into the unit and obviously we all know it. And so, um, we walked through it and I'm, you know, I'm kind of a jokester. So I'm walking around and as I go into the bedroom, I, I just start talking to him. Yeah. I'm like, Hey bud. Okay. You know, Oh, we know you were here and everybody's kind of giggling about it and didn't think much about it. You know, just cutting up, talking to him, you know, whatever. So we go on through and, um, cause in his room that day, he had done the work. So there was, when we went to his apartment that day, he had had blood everywhere. Um, it was, you know, the room was very obviously had been damaged by him. So when I was in the room, I could, you know, I just was cutting up about it. Well, I go to leave his bedroom and we leave the apartment and, um, there's an apartment above him. So we have to leave out of there and go basically kind of like out, be out of going away from the building to go back up the steps, essentially. 
And so I'm going up these metal steps and um, I'm probably 10 steps up at about 20 steps. And I feel, and my, my back's to the exterior, I'm looking at the next front door and all of a sudden I feel this just nice gush of the coldest air up my back and over my shoulder. And I look at my coworker and I just immediately say, Hey bud. And she looked at me and we both just locked eyes because we both then look at the exterior to see that, okay, there's been trees blowing. Something has made a gust come up and everything was still. There wasn't a leaf moving. There wasn't anything showing that there would have been a reason to feel that type of gust come up my body. And so we just sat there for a little bit and, and just kind of just like pulled ourselves together a little bit and then proceeded on with the day. But, but I'm not really one to talk about ghosts or to say I do or don't believe, or, you know, it's just not my thing. I'm, I'm a scaredy cat to say the least. I don't even watch scary movies. So I don't like that feeling. So I was completely joking around talking to his spirit before that. And I genuinely with hundred percent of my body can say that like, I definitely felt that there was something that did want me to know he was there or know that something was there because it just, I've never felt that ever. I've, I've worked at this property for a long time. I know how it feels to go up and down those stairs. I know how the wind can come in and come out of those breezeways. And I've never felt the way that felt as he just, I just know it. I know he came over my body. Like I just, I just know it. I have chills. <laughs> <laughs> For that to happen after you were just sort of speaking to him. I mean, it just seems more than a coincidence. And in his apartment, you know, like you just left his apartment. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, and obviously like, you know, we, we fill all the apartments, you know, everybody, you know, people live there and I never hear nothing about anything weird. And I don't ever hear anything, you know, people saying anything about it. So obviously I don't really promote much about it either, but, but I felt like I just, you know, I, I, he and I had seen each other. I know people say I'm crazy, but I literally was like holding the door and telling him like, just, just sit down. It's going to be okay. Like, just, you know, just sit down. You're, you're going to be fine. Like just put it, put the knife because he did have a knife, big old kitchen, but you know, butcher knife in his hand that, that day. And so I was like, you know, just put the knife down and it's going to be okay. And he and I were locked in eyes until he heard, you know, the next person behind him. So, so yeah, I just, I don't know why it came over me that day to talk to him. I hadn't done it before. And then to feel that come over me. Yeah. Me and the, my one co-worker who also, you know, be- believes and likes spooky things. So she was definitely like eating it up. Like, oh my gosh, yes, that's definitely what just happened. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Do you think you would have noticed this sort of like gust of cold air if you had not been like, you know, joking around, like talking to a spirit beforehand? So I think honestly, like, and I say, yes, we went to his next apartment, but like it had been like, he, he was in the, like, you know, a room off to itself. So it took us a few minutes to, to do his 
you know, and I joked about it. And then it was probably 15 minutes, 20 minutes before the next, you know, before I'm in that situation. So honestly, when we left and locked up, I hadn't really thought what I'd been saying or anything of that nature. I really was on to like, how many washing machines were there? And was there a microwave? And was the walls painted? You know, my normal things. And um, so going up those steps, I was the last one up the steps, um, which is also abnormally. Usually I'm the one that goes first. So I was, you know, following behind slowly, filling in my notes and really was concentrating on what I was supposed to be doing. So while yes, I had, you know, cut around and kind of spoke to him. Um, I think that's also kind of why I was, why I was so for sure it was him is because I had forgotten about him already, you know, and it was like, Oh, Hey, don't, you know, you were talking to me. Well, now here I am kind of thing. Like, so don't forget about me so quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was just, so yeah, it was, it was wild. Have you ever felt anything like that before? Honestly, no. I mean, you know, and I live on an old, old farm where my parents are from. And I, I, we have some pretty good history from the town I'm from with ghosts. And I've always, you know, done things, you know, for the clubs I were in or the groups I was with. Of course, it's always, you know, exciting to go to places that, are, that have haunted whatever's. But I just never felt that way because I was just already so scared. You could, it didn't matter if it was a win. I was just feeling something no matter what. But in this moment, I was, my guard was so down and I was so confident with what I was doing. I never felt scared. I never felt uneasy. It literally was just that feeling. And then me looking at her and me literally just saying, well, hey, bud, as if it was me seeing a friend or somebody who I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, like yeah, we know you're here. So it's going to be okay. Like that's how it felt. It wasn't a scary, oh shit moment. It was okay. Well, you know, glad you're still here. Like, do do you need something? Like, (laughs) please don't let anyone else know you're here. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) No, that's an awesome story. And like Madeline said, it just gives you chills to hear about it, uh, to hear about that experience you had and how that gust of wind gave you chills (laughs) when it happened. Well, and I guess too, like to give it even more like substance and truth, like obviously I know y'all are into that and it never really crossed my mind to be something to want to like, not that I didn't want to tell y'all, but like, it wasn't a bragging thing. It was such a true thing that it wasn't me to be like, oh my God, this just happened. I'm going to make this up. You know, it, it, it was just such a like, okay, well that happened and that was for real. And we're just going to move on through our day. Cause Hmm. <laughs> you know, like. When you experienced that, did that sort of like validate for you that spirits or ghosts or whatever you want to call them, that that is a real thing? Yeah, I would say so. It definitely made me a more of a believer and a believer in that there, you know, there can be ones here in a gentle fashion. I think when you grow up, everybody wants to act like ghosts or um, there to get you, you know, that they're there to haunt you and do bad things to you, which some of them maybe are. Um, but those are the only ones that get talked about. No one ever really talks about the ones that just genuinely just remind you they're there or remind you of that moment or want you to do better. Do think about other people's feelings. You know, it just, it makes me more in tune. Honestly, that moment makes me more in tune when I have people who have problems and they're having mental breakdowns of, you know, as a property manager, I have to be attuned to that stuff because I have to know like, okay, well, that you're having these personal problems. What can I do to help you? And also make sure you pay your rent, you know? So it's just, it makes me more aware of it, I guess, instead of it being a scary fashion. So I I just, yeah, I 
it made me appreciate it, I guess, more than just thinking like it's a scary ghost type of situation, you know? Yeah. I think that's a, a good way to put it, you know, that more of an appreciation than anything. Yeah. Well, and a respect to like, okay, like what, you know, are you stuck here? Do we need to do some seances? Like what, you know, do you know where your spirit's supposed to be? Or is it just a normal thing that, you know, you have multiple spirit spirits and that, you know, is he where he's supposed to be? And he's here, you know, it's just kind of opens up your little mind to think, what does that mean when I leave? You know, like makes you think about your other life choices and what's going to happen. Talking about like this bringing a new respect and like appreciation to, you know, the spirit world and and these energies or entities. And it does sort of make me think back again to our haunted carriage ride. You know, it was supposed to be bone chilling and scary and all this stuff. And while we didn't necessarily have that takeaway from it, I do still think those sorts of things are important because for people that maybe have never had an experience, they sort of gain this sort of new appreciation for the history around us and uh, you know, the spirits that might still be lingering around. You know, part of me is teasing when I say, you know, I didn't really enjoy it. I did enjoy it. It just wasn't as spooky as I expected. Um, but like you said, the history of Charleston is just undeniable. And there's something that you feel anytime you're in Charleston, especially at nighttime. It's just almost this I don't know. It's just something that I've always fallen in love with. And even though, you know, we've done so many of those ghost tours, so we're kind of numb to the stories. It's just crazy to think about what those buildings and what those streets have seen over the years and definitely have to give my respect to those spirits for sure. And I think the other example that that Madison's story sets too is that, you know, it doesn't have to be a spirit from the 1800s, like many of the stories in Charleston are, you know, this was a more modern day sort of ghost experience. And, and I feel like we don't hear about too many of those these days. So that I think those are still important to tell. Now you're kind of jumping out of your comfort zone being on here and, and sharing that story, but we appreciate you sharing it with us. Oh, yes, for sure. Thank you all for asking me. I appreciate it. And if you have a story that you would like us to hear, we would love for you to share it with us. You can email us at the unrest podcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Facebook and join our Facebook group where we have lots of interactive, unique content. And don't forget about TikTok. I just put a video up there yesterday of the meowing nuns. <laughs> Madeline has a fun series happening in October on TikTok where she is highlighting sort of going back to our haunted history uh, episodes, some just fun things from history that you might find interesting. Yeah. So check them out. And until next time, unrest, unrest in peace. peace.